United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. Another big show on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap as I am Dean Linky, and I'm thrilled to kick off the show by meeting the founder of VO, the official sports camera of United Soccer Coaches and their latest innovations in their technology. We'll talk to their founder as well as their U.S. market manager. Then we move into college soccer tonight on the Big Ten Network at 9 o'clock. 22-time national champion North Carolina women's soccer will take on Illinois as Illinois opens up their brand new facility. Janet Rayfield, the first recruit under Anson Dorrance, welcomes the Tar Heels. Janet Rayfield, an honor award winner on United Soccer Coaches, is also on the show. And so is Mick Giordano, I think the youngest coach in D1 men's soccer. He leads UNC Asheville on Monday night against NC State. Proud to have the call on that one. And please to visit with Mick. Great story, great young man. The leaders of VO, Janet Rayfield, Mick Giordano. After this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. The future of sports recording takes center stage today on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. We are visiting with Vio, based in Denmark and founded on the idea that it should be easy to record and analyze soccer matches. Vio is designed to be the ultimate camera for team sports. Record your games and training sessions automatically and take your game a level up. We are democratizing soccer, one camera, one field, one team at a time. With more than 2,200 clubs in more than 60 countries now using our camera, VO records more than 15,000 matches per month, and we may even hear that that has increased. Back in April, United Soccer Coaches was pleased to announce that VO is the official sports camera of the association, and, and these awesome partners over at VO just launched a second-generation camera, and it's pretty amazing. It will likely impact the way we can coach at every level, and the tech is very accessible. Joining me today to talk about this and the partnership are the founder and CEO, Henrik Tischbeck, and the U.S. market manager, Lee Hudson. Henrik and Lee, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Dean, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Dean. Well, before we get started, let me read a little bit from the April 5th, 2021 announcement of the partnership between United Soccer Coaches and VO, reflecting the growing role technology plays in the game of soccer. United Soccer Coaches was obviously pleased and continues to be pleased to announce a four-year agreement making VO the official sports camera of the association. This partnership will benefit United Soccer Coaches members through special offers and unique content from this portable and affordable video system. The VO camera and platform enables teams to record and analyze games and practices without the need for a camera operator. And there's more on some of the specials that VO and United Soccer Coaches are working on, and we'll get into that. But first, Let's start with the big picture sort of overview, Henrik. Founded in 2015, 
What was your impetus to say this needs to be done? It actually all started because my uh, my co-founder, he came too late to his son's football match. And uh, his, uh, his son's maybe not the best, uh, world's best uh, soccer player. He scores a goal and, and my co-founder missed it. And obviously, his son was, was sad and his wife was mad. How can you miss, you know, the goal? Turns out that uh, he's, he's not the only parent in the world. And recording, recording football is a challenge for, for almost all football teams in the world. That's kind of where, they, where it all started. How can we make it possible for everybody in the world to, to, uh, to record their sport? I love um, that example. As the father of two kids, I never wanted to miss a game. So I totally can relate. So, okay, so now you've got that, that impetus, that reason. Talk about the process of getting it going because I know there's a lot of work that you had to do. We spent the first almost three years in the garage building the first generation technology. The technology is a quite complex technology stack because it both involves a hardware. So we build our own camera, but it also involves a lot of AI. So neural networks having to understand how a TV producer records a video. And then also how can we also make applications that make it easy for coaches to interact with the video. We took a long time to develop the product, but ever since we launched, we've just been growing immensely. We actually now crossed more than 9,000 clubs. We have 250,000 coaches working with us. You mentioned 15,000, basically 50,000 matches per month that we're doing right now. So, so we're seeing a tremendous growth, but what's important for me also a tremendous adoption. So we're really seeing uh, our users use our technology, uh, you know, every week, which which makes us very proud. And also, you know, recognize that we're also solving a, a real problem for them. Yeah, I'm glad I had that segue because I knew that based on those numbers that were in the original press release, based on what I'm hearing about your growth and now this second generation camera, that your numbers got to be blowing by it. I mean, you said more than 50,000 matches per month right now. Yeah. And so yeah. let's talk about that progression since uh, you launched this thing. Growing tremendously, primarily in, um, in, in, in soccer. We, we also uh, started looking into two other sports, but the majority of our business is, uh, is, is soccer. And of course, a lot of that uh, comes from, uh, from the U.S. What we are um, you know, proud to see is that some of the best clubs in the world use our technology. So half of the Premier League clubs in, 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 you know, in the U.K., their academies use our technology. More than half of the MLS clubs, their academies use our technology. But the majority of our customers and, you know, where, what we're actually focusing on is the youth and the grassroots clubs. That is 90% of our business. That is who we are targeting. So we are proud that some of the best clubs in the world, you know, use our technology. But it's, it's, the, it's the youth and, uh, and grassroots uh, clubs that is uh, our you say, bread and brother. That's, that's, who, uh, that's who we cater to and we love. Henrik, a big picture overview as it relates to United Soccer Coaches. I was pleased to hear you say that a lot of your clubs are in the U.S. Of course, there's so many different youth entities as well, and it's been a huge fabric of soccer forever. They're still trying to figure out a few things, but one thing they know, they want to be better, and they obviously want to videotape their games and practices and everything else. With that as the overview when United Soccer Coaches or when you approach United Soccer Coaches, I don't know exactly how it happened, but it does seem like a natural alliance. Can you elaborate on that? I mean, you know, United Soccer Coaches is, of course, you know, the, the, the biggest partner. You have the, the most amazing community. It makes so much sense to work together because we've also been on the same mission. You know, how can we make coaches better? How can we help coaches develop better talent? How can we improve the sport by improving the players, by improving the awareness of the sport? Our leverage into this is, of course, fueling all that with, the, with technology, because that's, that's kind of our belief is that 
that technology can really amplify a sports positive impact in the world. So, so we're coming from the technology angle. How can we, from a technology perspective, support you guys, but, but of course, the, all, the, um, all the soccer coaches uh, in, in, in the U.S.? Well, and this partnership definitely benefits United Soccer Coaches members through special offers and unique content from this portable and affordable video solution. The VO camera and platform enables teams to record and analyze games and practices without the need for a camera operator. And I want to get to the second generation. But before we do, we'll bring in Lee. Lee, you're in the United States. You know what United Soccer Coaches is all about as well. And I know based on the quotes from the announcement, you're super pleased with this relationship. Can you comment on that? Absolutely, Dean. It's, uh, it's been a partnership that, that we've you know, really wanted to get going here at VO. Henrik uh, mentioned it earlier on there. It's so important that we're able to continue to help educate the coaches they're a part of this journey as well. Everybody talks about the players and the teams and the parents having access to the games, but the ability to be able to record practices, record games and coaches being able to go in there and analyze them is such a key part of, of our mission at VO. So being able to do that and partner alongside United Soccer Coaches uh, is something that we've really looked into a lot and we're really, really proud to be partners with you. Well said. And then you also saw the comment that Ian Barker made, our Director of Coaching Education, He's been a massive advocate for VO at, you know, the top of the globe right there. That's got to make you feel pretty good as well, because he's out there front and center, actually doing the sessions and managing the practices. Henrik, you must like hearing that and seeing it. It's great to see, you know, the input and the, and, and the support from, uh, from, 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 from you guys. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. All right. I, when we come back, I want to learn more about the second generation and I want you to get into fine details. Believe it or not, our members are super smart, a lot smarter than me. So I want you to break it down so they understand what they're getting. And I also want them to understand that it's not cumbersome and, you know, the little things that kind of affect the mind as well. I want you to break that down as well. We're with the leaders of VO, the official sports camera of United Soccer Coaches. We'll be back with more after these messages from our sponsors. Looking for ways to improve your training session? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for more than 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential to every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to elevate your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to our leadoff guest from VO as we talked about the incredible partner with United Soccer Coaches. And as we mentioned just before the break, they just launched the second generation camera. And from what I hear, it's pretty awesome. So we'll go back to the CEO and founder, Henrik. Henrik, tell us all you can about this second generation camera, how it works, why you made this innovation. And then also, if you can kind of lead into the, to the ease of how this all works. This is a loaded question, I understand, but my point is you've got the floor and we want to learn. First of all, we believe that that video is kind of the foundation for so many added services in, in, in soccer. Video is the foundation for making players better, for helping coaches analyze matches. But video is also the medium that connects the people around the field. What we want to do is make it super easy to capture video. What we're learning uh, is that, uh, you know, the majority of uh, soccer matches are not played in stadiums. It is played in, you know, rural fields all around the, all around, all around the world, where there's most likely uh, not electricity, most likely not, uh, not Wi-Fi. 
So we need a solution. And, and, and what's also very important when you record sport and, and, and soccer is that you need a high vantage point. You need an elevated position from recording from. So the alternative is that you need someone to build a scaffold and you need a parent to, to stand there and through 90 minutes, move the camera around and somebody edit the match afterwards. And that's the reason why, you know, few matches are being recorded today. So, so our technology works that it's a, it's a camera that records a high resolution panoramic video that means that the camera sits still and you can place the camera on a, on a tripod. You can also mount it to a stadium if you have so, but, but else it's primarily mounted on a, on a, on a tripod, which means that uh, it takes less than a minute to set up and it's uh, the coach that brings it to the field and that's it. You just press record and then the coach can spend time coaching and not, and not filming. First generation camera made technology that made it e easy to capture. We've built tools that afterwards lets the coach analyze the footage. So video is not just video, but video actually brings value uh, to the coach. How do we break it down so the coach can tell each player what does they do to, uh, to improve? What we've seen a lot of demand for is also, and especially also here in, in, in a, during COVID, right? How do we connect all the people around? So fans, parents, grandparents, scouts, recruiters, how do we, how, you know, how do we, how do we connect those with the matches that is uh, that is being played? Because we know, you know, there are billions of of, uh, of soccer fans around the world. We just seen it, you know, uh, you know, in the Europe, European Cup here. I mean, in Europe, you know, the Denmark where we're from, you know, we came to the semifinal, and you know, you had the, uh, you know, people in the streets just celebrating all the the victory. So I mean, there's there's like there's nothing in the world that connects people like sport, right? But of course, that is that connection is made through technology. I mean, if, if those, and we just take it as a natural, right? Of course, professional sport is being live streamed. So it's, it, you know, we, we just assume it. But when it comes to amateur and, and grassroots sport, nobody's live streaming it. So we're just seeing this massive disconnect between an audience that loves to consume sport and just all these millions and millions of grassroots and youth uh, uh, matches that just never being connected to that audience. And we also know, coming back to my founding story, right, that my co-founder came to lay to his son's football match, my three sons, you know, that old yet, but, you know, when they when they score their first goals, I definitely, if I, if I can't be there, I, I really wanna, wanna watch it, right? So how do we how do we connect that, right? So so that's what our, our second generation camera does. That is that we have uh, partnered up with uh, with Nvidia, the world's uh, biggest GPU provider. So they are, they are building very powerful uh, computers. So we embedded their computers inside our camera, meaning that all the processing happens actually in the camera. And then we build in uh, an LTE modem, so you can actually stream straight from the camera to the cloud. So every parent, every fan, every grandparent everybody can actually live stream the matches uh, as they're being uh, as they're being played that's in essence what our second generation camera enables so what we launched the uh, two weeks ago was the next generation camera that enables uh, real-time processing but what's important again is that we're not only producing video we also want to be easy to consume the video so what we did was that we also launched a our live streaming platform an app so that that the parents and, and, and the fans can actually watch it through our app and they can engage and soon they're going to build a community so that the parents can communicate with each other through this app while the match is being played so there's a lot of you know some really really cool stuff coming out soon so we can really engage with the fans and actually kind of you can say extend the digital experience of sport I mean, today, when you're in the club, you know, you talk about football, but once you leave, suddenly it's, it's you know, it's, it's so many other things. But how can we actually prolong this 
this uh, cohesion in the club. So, so uh, you are part of the club not only when you're in the club, but also when at home. So, so there's a there's some really cool feature coming out coming out soon. But at the same time, we're not only building products for this new audience of of, uh, of fans and parents. We also announced some really really cool features for uh, for our ex- existing community, all the the fantastic uh, soccer coaches. So we extended our our editor uh, platform with some AI powered analysis features. So we can now build, we can now track the players. We can build 2D maps. So we can actually, as a coach, you can actually get a graphic representation of the match. Just like when you play FIFA, right? You see that, you know, that 2D uh, augmented sure. map, you get the same when you are analyzing video with, uh, with, with video. You can see heat maps, you know, where have your team been played? So we also kind of leveraging the fact that we are, you know, recording thousands and thousands of matches. We're training on the network. The more, the more our community use our product, the better we can build our AI and the better products we can then actually uh, announce to our to, to all the, you know, the great coaches in, in our community. So we launched the, a new product called VO Analytics, uh, which is accessible both to the existing VO Cam 1 uh, customers and also, of course, to all the, all the, the users of, of our new, uh, new camera. Incredible. You know, as a, I'm also a broadcaster and the ability to now know that these games are, you know, kind of being real live streamed. I might try to start getting some jobs for the U8 girls, you know, and, and calling those games as well with it. But I mean, I, I jest a little bit, but one of the amazing things is this is actually can go to your phone, right? I mean, you can go directly from the camera to your, to your phone. I mean, dumb it down for us like that. Cause that is amazing. Is powered by this very powerful computer inside the camera that then actually does all the the inference, as it's called, all the processing inside the camera, which means that the parents can can uh, yeah can live stream it, but of course also for the for the coaches they can now instantly access the footage right after the match. Uh, lots of you know travel teams they want to analyze the footage you know in the in the bus on the way home, providing that instantly to the to the coaches after the match. One of the big pushes is you know with Lee in the U.S., but we understand that you're increasing your resources. You made a significant investment in offices in Miami both their offices and hiring staff across the U.S. Can you talk about that part of your growth? The biggest part of our, our customer base and our growth is, is in the U.S. Um, and of course, we want to be closer to our customers. We want to be closer to, to our new customers, but also from a support perspective, how can we be closer to our customers, support our community as fast as possible? And there is, of course, a, a natural you know, time zone between uh, the U.S. and Europe. So we saw it necessary to, uh, to build a, a, an office, which is definitely also helping us now that during, uh, during COVID here, it's, it's hard for us from Europe to travel into the U.S. It's our great new team in, uh, in Miami that is now supporting our community in, in the U.S. And let's Lee pipe in on all that support. It's obviously a big country. You know that, Lee, but clearly Veal's going for it in a country that I feel like will want to grab and, and be a part of what Veal's all about. Yeah, absolutely, Dean. It was uh, it was quite interesting times, actually, when I uh, when I was first brought on at Veal. Uh, it was right after the uh, United Soccer Coaches Convention in Baltimore. Um, and that was the very first time I'd met Hemrick and, and the rest of the team there. And, of course, that was February and COVID hit in March. So I'd had all of about a month, maybe a little bit less, to get uh, to get going here in the U.S. before before COVID hit, and so it was a little bit of a, as Henrik mentioned earlier on in the in the in the conversation here, a little bit of a one man army show to to begin with, 
And then as soon as we started to see the, the dust settle and we started to see just how receptive the U.S. coaches and teams were to VO and, and the product and, and everything that it had to offer, it was, it was high time to, to start recruiting some more people. You know, we went really heavy on the market managers and obviously going closer to the market in terms of our customer support and making sure that all of our customers here in the U.S. had, had someone that they can connect to, someone to relate to. And obviously someone to kind of help them through anything that they needed in terms of VO. So getting all the support stateside was was fantastic as we begin to grow the market here. Sticking with the stateside part of it, Henrik, we'll go back to you. I understand. I always like tipping point moments. I understand from Toby, who heads up marketing, great guy, mad respect for him, that when you first came to the convention in Chicago and took pre-orders for their camera before they could ship anything, I understand that experience showed you, Henrik, that the validity of the North American market was there and there was real interest. We were blown away by, you know, by the interest and also tech savviness of, of U.S. Uh, U of coaches. I mean, it's, uh, you know, that's a really great interest, of course, in the sport, but also in the technology. And I think that that that, that U.S. Uh, coaches are even more technology accessible. I mean, I mean it, the, 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 the use of Video analysis and data is is even higher than than it is uh, in, in Europe. So so we we had a, a fantastic. We're blown away about the interest, and then it just accelerated uh, from there. So Jeff Van Dusen and Toby and Erica and Lynn and everybody involved with the convention, they're really pumped that we'll be using the VO cameras on the demo pitches. And from what I understand, you guys always do something unique with your presence at the convention. Talk first about the cameras at the demo pitches, and then maybe you can tease if you're doing something uh, unique as well. You know, if not, no big deal. But uh, I understand you guys always step it up, and you know, we're always looking forward to that. <laughs> I can't can't reveal too much uh, too much about that about that yet. You know, the convention you guys are building is the best in the world. I mean, there's nothing like that. Definitely not in Europe or anywhere around. And I think just you know, all the coaching sessions that that you the the, the clinics. I mean, all, all those sessions. I mean, I think that's. That's uh, that's really uniquely. I've never seen that before, and I'm I'm just super happy that we're able to to help you guys, you know, uh, execute those, but also help you, you know, share that with with the uh, with the people that are maybe not being able to uh, to to be there uh, on site. So I think there's some uh, some fantastic opportunities there uh, to to leverage, and we look very much forward to uh, to partnering up with you. Doing the full loop on how accessible and easy to handle this. Toby had a great anecdote because he said one of the things that you often talk to him about, and perhaps it was Lee as well, is the phrase, quote, hardware is hard, end quote, meaning that developing a camera that is high enough quality and is affordable is very difficult to do. Every decision about every part has ramifications to the overall finished product. And obviously, as you mentioned, it took you two or three years, as you said, in the garage, which I love that that anecdote, for lack of a better word, to develop the first camera before they could ever think of selling it. I think that commitment and that journey to get to where you are now is, is pretty incredible. That's an easy attaboy, but as you reflect on that journey to see where you are now, I got to believe you feel like the sky is the limit and also how rewarding that time was. Can you reflect on that again, Henrik? You know, hardware development takes, takes a long time. It's some, uh, some difficult decisions, as you say. I mean, we started out trying building solutions with smartphones and with action cameras and stuff and realized we had to build uh, you know our own generation uh, our own our own technology we kind of instead embraced it and and it's become you know a vital part of our of our company and it's actually the what makes our product unique is that we control both the both the hardware and the software 
familiar with, with Apple products, the reason why their, their product works so great is that they both control the hardware and the software. They work so closely to, to, together. So we're able to yeah, just create even better video products, make the products easier to use because we control the whole user journey from how you set the camera up, how you control it with your app. Uh, we control every single pixel through the journey and we're able to, to make the, 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 the images as sharp as possible for the for the coaches and also enables us to to make these unique features like our virtual camera where you can actually overtake the camera steering so our ai suggests an angle but if you're a coach don't want to watch where you know the area where the ball is but you want to actually zoom in on the coat on the goalie in the other end you can actually overtake that camera steering and, and it's only because we have this control about the, the the hardware and the software that we're able to do that and no other company in the world and uh, in the world can do that so yeah, right now we're just uh, you know building on top of this, and uh, yeah, the the sky is the limit. But but in essence, I mean, we just want to be close to our customers because I mean, you guys are the experts. Uh, we we love building technology, but but it's you know the coaches that teaches us what's actually important. Um, what how can we help us uh, you know as biggest uh, problems as possible for for our community. So we just uh, love to be close to to our community and learn. We're working with some of the biggest clubs in the world. How can we you know, the way in the Premier League academies work with their talents, how can we take that knowledge and bring that to all the coaches around the world? Because in essence, that's that's kind of our mission, right? That is, how can we make sports technology accessible to all? We know the Premier League club, all the money in the world, but how can we actually bring the same level of technology to all the millions of, uh, of football players around the world? Video is the official sports camera of the United Soccer Coaches. The partnership will allow United Soccer Coaches members to receive special offers and benefits from VO over the next four years. In addition, as we mentioned, in-person United Soccer Coaches education courses will utilize VO camera solutions, and they will be a feature on the field sessions at the next three United Soccer Coaches conventions. Convention attendees will also have the opportunity to learn more about VO as they present their constantly evolving solution, including their second generation camera that we already covered. All right, we've told the story, we've told about the growth, we've told about the partnership. Now we got to promote and sell. Where can people learn more about VO? Where can they order VO? How can they get engaged? They should go to, uh, to our website, VO.co where coaches can learn all about the product and they can book a sales call uh, sales call with our with our great uh, great colleagues uh, that can help you to tell you more about the product and the pricing and, and and so on final comments first to lee and then we'll let henrik with the last word as the founder and ceo of this amazing company that is turning heads and definitely it's a big buzzword over here in this country i know even being in the soccer booth uh, at all different levels but lee final comments for you on this partnership this relationship and your growth yeah dean just first of all thank you very much for for having us on it's uh, it's been great to kind of share the the experiences that we're having with vo obviously here in the us again extremely excited to to partner with the united soccer coaches and be at the convention and be able to live stream some of the field sessions that are going on this year and being able to broadcast those back to the people at home that maybe aren't able to attend looking forward to a fantastic four years working with everybody there just excited to kind of get back to some normality in january at the convention this year Amen, full stop, period. And final comments from the founder and CEO of VO. 
Ekung Lee here. Thank you so much for, for having us on. Uh, and, and we're just looking very much forward to, to hopefully finally, you know, getting back and, and seeing all the, all, the, all the great coaches at the, at the convention uh, in January. So, uh, yeah, looking very much forward to see everybody there. And, and thanks so much for having us. All right. So as we wrap up, make sure that you learn more. Go to www.veo.co. Is that right, Henrik? That's right. All right, there you go, www.veo.co, the official sports camera of United Soccer Coaches for the next four years and hopefully beyond, VO, getting it done. And you know who else is getting it done? Janet Rayfield, the first woman to receive the prestigious United Soccer Coaches Honor Award, her Fighting Illini, where she is entering her 20th year as the head coach for Illinois, Tonight on the Big Ten Network at 9 o'clock Eastern, prime time, the Illini will take on Janet Rayfield's alma mater, the perennial power, 22-time national champion, North Carolina Tar Heels at their brand new complex in Champaign. Janet Rayfield's Illini against North Carolina tonight at 9 o'clock, and Janet Rayfield will join me on the United Soccer Coaches podcast after this message. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced diplomas for more information. This is Dean Linky again, and I wanted to take a moment to salute all of the great people that made this year's United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention such a great success. I had the great honor of serving as one of the hosts, and it was one of the best weeks in soccer I've ever had. With that, while the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention might be over, you can still get involved as we're just getting started. You can still register to receive access to all session recordings and the digital convention platform. Chat with your soccer coaching community and take in top level presentations from coaches around the globe, all at your own convenience. To register and receive access, visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. That's right, you can still register for the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention and have access to all of the amazing presentations. I hope you can take advantage of the special offer. And again, visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. As promised, we are joined by United Soccer Coaches Honor Award winner now in her 19th season with the Fighting Illini, their fine head coach and a dear friend of the association. A repeat guest because she's always great. And tonight, that's right, tonight, 9 o'clock, prime time on the Big Ten Network, it's 2-0 Illinois against 2-0 North Carolina, where Janet Rayfield played. That's 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central Time, North Carolina, Illinois. I'll be on the call, and Janet Rayfield will be on the bench. Janet, I cannot wait. As you open up your facility tonight, you got North Carolina, you got Illinois. It doesn't get any better than this. Dean, it really, really doesn't. Uh, you know, I think it's a... Uh a moment in your career that you dream about and aspire to. And, you know, it, it says a lot about mine and Anson's longevity in the game. It says a lot about how women's soccer has grown in this country. Um, it says a lot about, you know, just like you, you think about the, 
the facility that we have and the facility that Anson has now and just how far the game has come. And so to have this moment and to share it, I think with Anson and, you know, the North Carolina program, I, I couldn't dream of a better home opener for Demersion Park and just excited about being able to create the kind of atmosphere that women's soccer deserves. Let's make sure everybody understands what you've done at your facility. And is there a name on it? Is it branded with a name? Like what's it called? And, and because this is a big deal, what, uh, what they've done for you now in your 19th season at Illinois. Yeah, I think it's actually 20th. I think this is this. I've been, I think this is the start of 20, believe it or not. Um, okay, thank you. All right. Yeah. Yes, it's called Demersion Park. Um, the Demersion family is a, a local family, Armenian um, immigrants, I think, which, um, you know, their father started a company here. Um, really generous members of the community, but I would, I would call them generous partners in this project and in our program. You know, they were the, the lead donors to build this facility. It's a shared facility with track and soccer. There's a, a building now that sits between a newly surfaced track and a new game field and a new practice field, a scoreboard, stands for the fans, locker rooms, training room, hydrotherapy room for the athletes, a lounge for the athletes, a nutrition area. I mean, really everything we need to be our best on the day, whether that's practice or games, is in this building. You can look out my window and I look out onto the game field and the practice field and think about what this can be every day. And it's, it's been a life-changing, a life-changing advancement. And, and I, we really have the diversions to thank for that, to, to be the, the lead donor. I couldn't talk about it without talking about Josh Whitman, who's our athletic director, who I think understands donors and, and partnered the diversions with us, knowing that this would be something that they felt of value to female athletes, to a large number of student athletes and to this community. So we're just excited to partner with them and, and to bring this into the, to the Illinois athletic family, but also to the Illinois community. And Janet, it doesn't hurt that it's on national television that the Big Ten Network said, hey, we're going to open our college soccer season with this game. I don't know if you've made a push for that or how that happened, but I mean, I think that's exciting as well. It, it is. And I think our, our athletic department, they get one chip to play with the Big Ten Network um, every year. And I think they played their chip and said, hey, we want this game on. We want to show off our new facility. You know, and I think they understood the the significance of this moment in, in terms of our program. But also, I think it, it was a significant moment in, you know, women's soccer history for Anton and I, who, you know, I mean, I was on his team, his first women's soccer team ever. Um, he will say first recruit. I don't know that, you know, but certainly a, a freshman on the first varsity team. And then to get to this point where we're playing each other in a um, nationally televised game in a new stadium with women's soccer getting to the place that it's gotten. I think our administration realized that that, that, that story needs to be told. And the Big Ten Network has said, yeah, we, we're going to tell that story. And we're excited to share that story with not just the fans here in the stadium um, tonight, but with the rest of the world. And as you already know, you're getting sick of me. The Big Ten Network's all in, as you know, which is super exciting. A special halftime feature with you and Anson. And you're right. He does say first recruit. And you tell a really, uh, I say sweet story about being the first recruit. Can you tell that story? story again about uh, your first visit? Yeah. So um, I, I guess since it's a podcast, I can tell the extended story. I was set to go to a small 
you know, Jesuit school in Colorado and maybe walk on to their volleyball team. And then Anton called my house in July and spoke to my parents actually and, and said, Hey, you know, we're starting a soccer program. You know, I've, I've been told that, you know, your daughter's a, a pretty good soccer player. And, uh, so anyway, I'll, I'll shorten that part. So I, they schedule a flight and I fly out there and visit on a single day. I took my sealed high school transcript with me in my hand. I filled out the application sitting in the admissions office. He met me at the airport. I was in my, you know, Catholic, typical Catholic. I wasn't in my uniform, but I had on a skirt and sandals and he was in a white tennis shirt, white tennis socks, you know, white shorts, white. It, it was in his all white days. We used to call it everything he, you know, he had white from head to toe and black horn rim glasses. And I, I say, I got off the plane and looked at him and said, that can't be him. And he probably looked at me and said, that can't be her. And, um, you know, we, he showed me around campus for about three hours. And then we were in a rush to get back to the airport so I could catch a flight home that night to go on our family vacation. And he hurdled the wall and I tried to step over it and didn't quite make it and tripped and fell over the wall and, you know, um, jumped right back up. And I'm thinking, oh, he thinks I'm a klutz. And he's thinking, oh, I think she's pretty tough. So, you know, I think there were a lot of misconceptions in that first visit, but the bottom line is he convinced me that they were going to do something special as he can do and that they wanted to build something. And, you know, soccer was the sport that I loved and that I was, was probably, you know, better at than any other sport I had played. And so the opportunity to play, it was just something I couldn't pass up. Well, and when you go and look at the UNC record books, you're right in there with Mia Ham and all these talented players. And for the record, you won two national championships. You won one before it was sanctioned, and you won the first ever that was sanctioned. And no one is going to take that away from you. And those were great days for you at North Carolina as a player, Janet. You won a lot of games. You scored a lot of goals. You know, as as pioneers do, right? You you. I, I don't know if I could do those things in today's world where um, the the competition is so so great and so strong, but um, we did build a program that won, you know, the first AIAW national championship, you know, when women's sports was sanctioned by a different governing body, um, you know, and that was exciting. It was, um, you know, something that was run by women and, um, you know, to, just to be a part of that. And we hosted that in Chapel Hill. So, you know, that made it even that much more special. We played in Keenan Stadium, um, in the football stadium and played the national championship there. But then to, for women's sports to go from that place to then actually being under the NCAA umbrella and to win the first NCAA national championship. Again, you know, I think I got to experience this wonderful transition in women's college athletics where um, we were starting to make that stride to be, I won't say equal because we're still in that battle, um, but to start to make strides to, to being um, respected as student athletes in the same way that male student athletes were. And we were starting that journey and to be on the first part of that and to go from AIAW to the NCAA, I think was a, a really neat perspective for me. Well, we're all hyped up about the Big Ten Network, but we can't forget your love that and Anson shares your love for the association. This is the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. And another tie that binds you two is you're both honor award winners you were the first woman, and I think still the only woman. Hopefully there'll be more women coming. But I, I ask you this question every time you come on, but I, I, I can't help it. I just think it's awesome. And I know you think it's awesome as well, right? You, you take a lot of pride in receiving the honor award. Oh, I, I, I think it's probably of, of accomplishments or accolades. I think one of the most humbling because it is, I think it's an award that's not based on outcomes, but based on processes and influence and impact. 
it's not a hall of fame and it's not a hall of fame for a reason it's an honor award so i think it's to me it is um it, it's one chosen by peers of, of 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 saying that you've had an impact on on this sport on this association on other coaches on players and so i i think from that perspective and having been in the association long enough to look at the people that have won that award and just know how influential they are and and it, and again it has nothing to do with wins and losses but all all about those wins that are human and so I think for me it's that's the humbling part and you know you look at the people that have won that it's it's about service it's about impact and so that to me it's it's probably the most humbling accolade that I think um I I have or could receive one of the great things about the association as I mentioned you were the first woman but you're seeing the strides that United Soccer Coaches is making with getting more women involved Janet I think it's it's galvanizing and invigorating can you comment on that yeah, you know, I think from the moment I got involved with the association, you know, I got involved through the women's committee. I mean, there was a group that was certainly proactive in terms of making sure that the women's game and women in the game, I think there's two sort of issues there, like the women's game itself. And, you know, you're taking coaching courses and one, there was almost always male instructors, but even more importantly, all of the, you know, they would do a history of the game, but it was only from the men's side. There wasn't a history of the world cups on the women's side. So it was very much about the history of, of the men's game. And so I think the association realized that there was another part of the game that they needed to address. And so, um, you know, I, I think the United Soccer Coaches, formerly NSCAA, has really been instrumental in the inclusive part of that game, whether that's gender, ethnicity, LBGTQ. I think their focus on inclusivity has been there from the beginning. Janet, well, let's get back to tonight's game. You're off to an incredible start. You've scored nine goals already. Hope Breslin, one of the best in the country, is obviously bringing it. Tell us about your team that we'll see tonight. Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, we're excited about the start. Um, obviously, scoring nine goals, um, I think getting in and getting into the attack, I think we've made it difficult on teams um, with with some of our dynamic movement and um, pulled some back lines apart. I don't think that'll be as easy tonight um, against the number two team in the country. But, um, you know, we're we're excited to be where we are and test ourselves against some of the best. And you're going to see a game tonight that I think is two teams that have a mentality that want to battle. Um, I think you're going to see teams that are going to send, you know, people into the attack. I, I think it'll go up and down. I don't know that you'll see the track meet that you might have seen if you watched the Carolina Arkansas game, but I think you're going to see two teams that there's going to be some similarities, I think, but I think you're going to see some differences too. I, I think hopefully you'll see an organized defensive team and a thoughtful, intelligent attacking team taking on a great Carolina team. Final question, Janet Rayfield. What keeps the fire burning after so many great years and so many victories? Because there's always a new young woman to empower and a, um, a new group of athletes to walk side by side on their journey. And those journeys don't ever, they're never the same. I tell people I've had the same job for 30 years and never the same day twice and never the same impact. And so I think as long as there's young women to empower and to use the sport to give them tools that they can use for life, um, then there's there's a fire and a, an inspiring moment to that that keeps me showing up every day and not just showing up, but investing in it. And, and I think when that when that's gone, when there's not enough energy to invest in these young people, then it's time to walk away.
Janet Rayfield in the Fighting the Lion Eye tonight at 9 o'clock Eastern on the Big Ten Network against the North Carolina Tar Heels. Thanks for all you do for the association, and thanks for all you do for the game of soccer. Well, thanks for having me, and, and I would say same to, to you. Thank you for all that you do for us. It's my pleasure and my honor to spend time with incredible people like Janet Rayfield, and I can't wait for tonight, 9 o'clock, Illinois, North Carolina, on the Big Ten Network. It'll be a busy weekend. I'll also have the call Ohio State, Lori Walker Hawk, another former Tar Heel in North Carolina on Sunday. Then on Monday night, I'll be back in the Triangle. George Kiefer and NC State will take on UNC Asheville. And UNC Asheville has, I think, the youngest coach in Division I men's soccer. An alumni from UNC Asheville, Mick Giordano, who is a great young man and an inspiring coach. He credits his father as well as his college coach for leading him down the right path. Mick Giordano, the top man for UNC Asheville men's soccer, will take on NC State Monday night, 7 o'clock on ACC Network Extra. He joins me in our final segment after this message. Hello, college coaches. This is Dean Linky with a special reminder. Registration is now open for the United Soccer Coaches College Services Program. Registered programs have access to a variety of benefits, including eligibility for awards and rankings, individual membership discounts, a dedicated liaison working on your behalf with organizations like the NCAA, NAIA, NJCAA, and so much more. United Soccer Coaches helps you develop your entire coaching game the way you help your student-athletes grow as people. For more information or to register, please visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash college. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap Off to a great show. Visiting with our new partners, VO. Great work they're doing. Of course, Tonight, Janet Rayfield will take on Anson Dorrance and UNC. I'll be on the call for that game on the Big Ten Network. Then on Monday, I'll be back on ACC Network Extra down the road in Raleigh where George Kiefer's NC State Wolfpack team will take on a very good UNC Asheville team led by a very good young coach who's now the man. The interim tag is off. We're talking about UNC Asheville Bulldogs men's head soccer coach Mick Giordano. And Mick joins me now. Mick, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thanks, Dean. No, it's wonderful and an honor to, uh, to be here, and I just appreciate you having me. Well, we're honored to have you, and I'm definitely looking forward to the call on Monday. Let's first talk about that. UNC Asheville, anytime you get a chance to take on an ACC team, particularly in your own state of North Carolina, that's a pretty big deal. Yes, sir. It's massive, especially with the amount of uh, boys and recruits and, and everything that we have from that, from the Triangle, from the Raleigh area. I've received a few text messages from some parents saying there should be a, a large pro Bulldog fan section there. They're going to try and even have a bigger fan section than what NC State's able to have. So it should be exciting just to be able to have some of the boys go home, but as well test ourselves early against a, a very good NC State team who's off to a flying start with a great preseason that they've had so far too. That'll be a great game, 7 o'clock Monday. 
on ACC Network Extra. Well, I want to get to know you a little bit better because, Mick, uh, I can tell you're a humble guy, but I feel like with our listenership and our growing base of this podcast here, you can be an inspiration because you're a young man. You got yourself in the right position. You were the interim for a year, and I want you to walk us through that as well. And now, as a young man, you're the head coach, so you can talk a little bit about those challenges. But I also think, Mick, I meant what I said about inspiration. You can inspire so many young coaches who are wondering, when they're going to get a break so but let's start from the beginning because one of the things you said before we started is really your dad helped you so much because you were in Greenville but he got you up into the triangle so let's let's walk through your path don't miss anything as you started playing and then how you ended up in UNC Asheville and what you did there and then let then we'll get to the fact that uh, you know your mentor your coach decided to leave for family but don't miss anything else start at the beginning yes, okay Yes, sir. No, it starts, you know, obviously grew up out on the coast and my dad, uh, he's a coach as well. Um, and he, he was running the club back home, but it got to a point where there really wasn't a team in my age group. So I was playing up a year or two years, um, until I was kind of 12, 13 years old. And at that point, uh, you know, it was starting to be where those, those guys were going into high school and I was really stuck with, with nothing at all. And my dad and, and one of his best friends, who's basically like my godfather, where his son was a year older than me, they had talked about, all right, it's probably time we need to take our boys and go somewhere a little bit more serious. They're both dedicated to it. They're both, want, they're both in the ODP team for their age groups. They're wanting to really be able to kind of get that next level. What do we do? And so we ended up going down to Wilmington first, um, which is now the Hammerheads, but back then it was Cape Fear. Um, and so – Bit, was able to play down there for a few years and then from there wanted to try and see what our luck was a little bit closer uh into the triangle and going up that way just fortunate enough the sacrifices that my dad made being able to make those travel arrangements everything until uh until I was old enough to drive and my mom gave the clearance that is for me to drive you know he was the one doing it uh, three four times a week at, at bare minimum you know, I, I have a lot of fond memories of us, you know, on the way home from training late at night, eat, trying to eat dinner in the car. I've got a little book light trying to do homework uh, as best I could. But honestly, I mean, he, you know, he's getting up, going to work at, you know, 6, 7 a.m., getting off work early. So then he could grab me from school. We go to school, go straight down there. And it was just one of those that really kind of inspired me just to want to do it even more. It's just seeing the sacrifices him and my mom made. And then in high school, it was also nice when I was able to start driving, he was able to get back in the coaching and, and kind of be able to take his foot off a little bit. He could be around the Greenville area more, which meant a lot to everyone that he could go back into it. But the big thing that was awesome for myself was he also had me at, uh, at 16 start helping with his under 11s and just kind of assisting a little bit. And then when I was a senior in high school, he had me take uh, my own under 11s team under his supervision. And his whole philosophy behind it was, by all means, you can know the game as a player, but it's totally different as a coach. And if you can start to see tactically and start to see things different, even at the smallest, age, the youngest ages and smallest levels of it, then it's going to help you overall transform your whole mindset of what you're doing and so I was just really fortunate that he had done that and from there I went off I went off to Greensboro College first unfortunately school was going through some things then 
So I transferred down to, uh, to UNC Charlotte and, uh, you know, Coach Gum was wonderful, but things just didn't work out. So I ended up coming back up to uh, UNC Asheville or coming to UNC Asheville, I should say. And uh, that was kind of the moment I knew, all right, this is, I'm going to sort myself out. I'm going to make sure I have a better mentality, eat more healthy with what I'm doing, really dive into if I want to make this game my life, then I need to make the sacrifices for it. And just very fortunate that, you know, Coach Kern that was up here at the time at UNC Asheville gave me the opportunity to join him. And as well that I was able to do some coaching on the side uh, here with the local club, still back home with my dad in the summers a little bit and just kind of kept some education going. He had me get my my F and my E license um, when I was in college um, and start those processes and everything to try and get some badges and everything. And just from there, you know, enjoyed college, loved it. I uh, had an ankle injury my senior year and I was a red shirt. So I graduated in December and then coach Kern uh, offered me to stay on him and uh, coach Jordan, the two coaches out here for, for my time. They offered me the spring to stay and train, to get healthy, um, come on as, you know, kind of like a volunteer, but not really just be able to be around it, understand what college coaches it is. But my plan was to go overseas and, and play and, I was very fortunate enough. One of my best friends from Charlotte, Tyler Gibson, who's uh, at Louisville City still playing, he was in Germany and called me and said, hey, they want, they're want they trying to sign a left back. Why, why don't you come on over and join me? And so I was fortunate enough, I did. Injuries came back around again with my hips. So that cut it short. And, uh, and the club was great in December and said, look, we'll release you from your contract as long as you're not trying to go back and play at home then we're not too worried. And, uh, and I wasn't, I knew, unfortunately my time was done, but at the same time, I've knew for a long time, uh, it was going to be the coaching route. I, this, the sport, it, it's been everything to me. It's been tied into me from my family and everything. So I knew right away that I wanted to go into coaching. I kind of wanted to try a different route than my dad was in the youth game, of course. So I liked a little bit of taste I had of the college and said, okay, well, let me figure how that goes. And unfortunately at that time, my college coach had, had left and he had gone down to a division three school down in Alabama, but also fortunately enough, that's when, uh, Mathis Menel, my mentor came on and was hired, uh, January, 2015. And I, I can never thank him enough for, you know, giving me the opportunity. He just said, uh, he had heard good things about me. Let's see how the spring goes, and we'll go from there. And he just gave a young, a really young, young coach a start. And then from there, I really couldn't ask for a better mentor ever. Instead of holding jobs that are that were good for me away, he always offered, "Hey, this job might be a good one. Hey, this one could be a good one." Until and I, and nothing really felt right until a job opened up at Wake Forest, in which. You know, Coach Mental called Bobby immediately and said, hey, I have the guy you're looking for. And he, he didn't hold it back. He, you know, some coaches might think for themselves first in their own program. And I'm just so fortunate that he didn't. He thought about my career and my longevity behind it and said, look, at 24, you need to go be in the ACC and you need to go see exactly what those guys do and exactly what it is. And he kind of always said, this is kind of going to be your master's or your PhD in, in the coaching college world. 
for a whole program um, because Coach Muse and then Coach Armis and, and Coach Brenner that are there, those three really looked after me. But at the same time, they showed me what it was to run one of the best programs in the entire country and how to successfully do it in a positive culture. And within the, about 18 months that I was there, I, I must have learned what some people probably learn in eight to 10 years. And it was a bit of a grind, don't get me wrong, you know, between that and then also just trying to apply what they were teaching me, what I had learned a little bit, other coaching education and working with uh, NC Fusion and, and was working with three of their teams. It, it, there were some long days by all means, but if I'm honest, I mean, I get to coach. So as long as the days could be, I get to be one of the best environment, in my opinion, in, in college soccer at Wake for men's soccer there, and then getting to then apply it with a really, really good development academy at that time um, at NC Fusion. I don't know many young coaches that could have asked for a better environment. You get to see it. You get to learn from guys above you, how they do it, how they talk, how they run things. And then later on that night, you get to go try and apply it with your under 13s or under 14s that's really what coaching is all about, right? It's, it's maybe taking things from other people, figuring out how you want to word it, how you want to run it, how you want to go and apply it, and then go and do your own thing and try and go inspire younger kids and everything. And so it, it was wonderful. Like I said, it was, it was unbelievable um, to have that experience. And, and I was very fortunate to, you know, I, I walked into a Wake Forest group that was, on, I mean, the, I was actually looking just the other day, and I mean, there was, there was 17 guys that were there at that time that are now pros. I, I mean, unbelievable. Just in, just in 18 months that I was able to be there, let alone like if you talk about guys that maybe we had helped recruit or on the other side of it, you know, that had just been there. You know, just Jack Harrison was just there, you know, six months prior to when I went in. And so the environment really, really – kind of pushed the process of what I had and ingrained in me more like, okay, this is really what I want to do. This is really the path I want to go and what I want to be able to achieve and, and everything. And so I was so fortunate then. And then, you know, once again, coach metal looking out for me, he had, uh, he had heard about, you know, Wofford, uh, Wofford college with, which was with at that time, you know, another legend of himself. So with coach Polson, the fact that I've been able to work for my mentor who's done wonderful things when he was at LMU and, and getting the process here, going at UNC Asheville, then Coach Muse, along with his staff, you know, co I mean, Coach Brenner and, and Coach Armis, them two at Wake, there's so much that they do that I, I think people are now starting to know as well, along with Coach Muse, but the three of them, I mean, it's it's a three-headed monster. Um, they, they are unbelievable. So getting to work with all of them and then now, getting to go work down at Wofford College with, with Coach Polson, who, once again, I was still young. I was only, I was only 26, um, and he kind of looked at me and said, all right, Mick, we're going to do this together, but at the same time, I want you to start to try and have some freedom and have your own identity with, within the program on, you know, some recruiting, working on the recruiting budget, you know, because I was fortunate. Coach Muse had given me the spring budget and said, Mick, here's what we have for the spring budget our travel, budget our games, budget everything, then run it by myself and run it by Dane and uh, and we'll approve everything and check it off, make sure you're doing it. So they would have that. And then now going in and Coach Polson saying, Mick, 
here's your recruiting budget. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to go do this and being able to learn from him. And during that whole process, you know, it was just maybe at times def- it was jumping in the deep end. And, uh, and it was one of those where it was, I was a little bit over my head a couple of days, but at the same time, I was really thankful that I had guys around me that I could ask questions and that were willing to share knowledge on maybe this is an easier way to do it, or maybe this could help you be organized. Have you thought about trying to, to do it this way and, and whatnot? And so it's just really fortunate once again to, to have worked with all of these guys at such a young age. Uh, like I said, it's, it's one of those where I've been fortunate because people have kind of opened some doors for me that maybe, you know, some, I got really lucky with, but then at the same time, it was like, okay, well, how do we make the most of it? And, and just go and work as hard as you can keep your head down and, and just ask questions to the people around you, because obviously they believe in you if they want you around. So don't be afraid to ask for help and don't be afraid to ask those questions and don't be afraid to make mistakes. Um, try to make, try to limit them or try to make sure they aren't, they aren't too big of a mistake, but if you make one, can you just find a way to, to learn from that? And then now that that's how it's worked me kind of back into Asheville. Um, I was down there at Walford for a year and then I was able to get and hired as Asheville city head coach at that time. It was NPSL in the summer. Now they've moved over to uh, league two in the last two years. So I was able to work with them for a few summers as well. And that's kind of what brought me back into Asheville was I was up here trying to figure out my path, trying to figure out, do I want to start to trend towards more of the pro side of things right now? Do I want to continue to go into the college route? I think it's ultimate goal of mine just like what we try to do with our players. We say, look, we want to try and help you be a pro. Um, We know the sheer numbers of it, that not all of you is going to happen, but we want to try and at least help, help you. Well, I think same thing for myself and the staff here at UNC Asheville is we all love to be in the pro side. Um, One day we know that the door will open if it's supposed to open at the correct moment. So don't really focus on it too much, but knowing, okay, just continue to move your process forward. And, and like I said, that's when Coach Menel was – he actually had an opening on his staff again. I, like I said, just the timing and the luck behind it, that there was a lot of it. I, I've been v- very blessed and very fortunate, to say the least. But he had an opening on his staff, and so I was able to jump back on in the right in preseason of 2018, uh, fall 2018, and then spent two years with him again um, until he's decided that, you know, he needed to step away to spend some more time with his family, you know, with his with his oldest boy playing and and doing really really well in the game, and then with his his two younger two younger ones playing their own sports uh, and being extremely successful in those sports, wanting to try and spend some more time with them. So kind of just how I've gotten here a little bit to now. So what do you remember about the interim tag? What did they tell you when they came to you, Mick, and said, "Hey"? We're going to put the interim tag in front of your name. Did they tell you go out and earn the job or did they not give you any guarantees? What did they say? Yeah. So at that time, um, at that time it was, you know, the two, we had two assistants that were left. One of, one of our assistants, my best friend uh, had left to go to um, my best friend had left to go to UCI back home. He was from California. Um, so Matt Slez had left go back out kind of towards his family a little bit. Um, and so it was just myself 
And then uh, Joe Lacasto was a player of ours, one of one of my very first recruits uh, to UNC Asheville, actually. And he had just finished his first year coaching um, and he was getting ready to go in to do his master's uh, the next year. Um, and so they had opened the job up. Uh, I didn't apply for it originally. Um, we weren't really sure what was going on internally with all of it and how that kind of looked. And um, I, w- I was looking and speaking to a few people at the professional level and, and ten- trending to go maybe towards that route. But at that time, no one had taken the job still um, through the winter. And uh, it was getting into January now. Myself, Matt, and Joe, we had all had a coaching education trip to England for about three weeks that we had planned. So we went over right at the start of the new year, went over and, and did a lot of coaching education and came back. At that time, they still hadn't hired anyone. No one had taken the job. Uh, so Joe and I just said, okay, well, the boys have come back. We're like, we spoke to the athletic director and we just said, we're just going to get them going through stuff. They, they need to be doing stuff in the weight room. They need to be playing a little bit. So through the kind of last two weeks of January, uh, first week of February, Joe and myself were just kind of doing everything and just, you know, kind of taking care of it as it was. And I guess, you know, at that time, once again, no one had taken it. Janet, along with our administration here, had really liked what Joe and myself were doing. Um, of course, it was two alums, you know, working on it and working on the program. And she came to me. I remember we were actually just helping. I remember really vividly. We were helping set up for a men's basketball game that night. And she had pulled me pulled me aside. She said, Mick, can I come? Or she called me first, said, where are you? I was like, oh, I'm just helping helping the guys set up for, for men's basketball tonight. We're just, we're just up in the gym. She's like, all right, well, I'm going to come up. Uh, I want to chat with you. And she pulled me aside and pulled me into the men's basketball head coach's office um, who was out doing a team a team meal. And she talked to me and said, look, Mick, I know you've talked to me about wanting to be in the pro game and, and potentially that being your route. But at the same time, what, what are your thoughts on being the interim? You know, you've done some really wonderful things the last three weeks. The boys know you care uh, a lot about them. You obviously care a lot about this program and you care a lot about what it means to be here. What are your thoughts on that? And I said, yeah, I mean, it's something that I wouldn't, I definitely won't say no to. Let me, you know, kind of speak to some of my people and my mentors, my dad, you know, some of my best friends. I mean, see kind of thoughts they have on it and everyone had kind of given me their thoughts, you know, behind it. The biggest one was kind of like, Mick, you get to have, regardless if it says interim or not, you get to have that you're, at, at 28 years old, the head coach of a division one program, or I was 27 actually at that time um, of a division one program. So why not? And so I, I went back to her and said, yeah, of course I would. Unfortunately, uh, about a month later, COVID hit as it's thrown the world into a loop threw all of us into a loop. So it was supposed to be interim just through the fall and they were going to open it back up or come back to me and discuss what it looked like after the fall, kind of that December of 2020. Well, our season was postponed, as, as you know, and, and every college season was kind of pushed back um, until spring. So she came to me in, in December after we kind of went through a full training through the fall and said, Vic, you've done a really good job so far. Let's continue this. Let's see what happens in, in May. 
Let's see how the sprint goes. But you've done some really wonderful, wonderful things. Please know we've we've not uh, ignored it, and it has been seen. So once again, I, I just ha- was fortunate we had a good spring. It wasn't great by any means. We've we could have been much better, but it was good. Uh, it was a good start. And I think the main thing is, is that I was just fortunate to be surrounded by a really good staff with, um, you know, Joe had moved on to his master's program at that time. And I was able to bring back one of our former captains from Astral City, uh, Ross Fitzpatrick, to kind of come in. And he was young, just just had graduated. But he's, I mean, grew up in Ireland, played at the highest level, played at Midwestern State here, was their captain. I mean, his accolades are unbelievable and he's got such a knack for coaching as it is. And it was kind of a, a crazy way of myself having the full circle of here's a young coach coming in and how well he's doing. So I was fortunate to have him and then Ronnie Herrera join on with training our goalkeepers. But most importantly, we were fortunate the boys took on everything and took on all the challenges and wanted to kind of take that next step. And we talk about it here of we're not changing a program. This program is still going to be called UNC Asheville. It's still going to be men's soccer here. It's still going to be the Bulldogs. We're still going to wear the same colors. We're not changing anything. But what we are trying to do is we're trying to guide it to a new level. We're trying to guide the program to where we think it should be. Um, and so, once again, uh, the boys were brilliant with it. They fought through adversity. They made the sacrifices to stay healthy. And, and we had a decent year. And, Come uh, come May, right after we had uh, we'd got knocked out by high point in overtime in the semifinal of our conference, Janet had come by and said, "Hey, we're we're gonna offer you the the full time gig as long as you still want it." And I just said, "Well, my wife and I just uh, we had just bought a house here. Uh, we we're hoping that this was gonna happen as we we're really falling in love with what everything what what's happening here and everything that's going on. So 100% would love the opportunity." to continue to work for you and see what we can do here. What a brilliant story. And part of the brilliance is your recognition of your mentors and those that paved the way, including your father. And I could tell that it was heartfelt. So I really liked hearing that. You know, sometimes um, people give me a hard time for having a little bit of North Carolina bias on this show because I live here, but it just so happens it's tied into that game. But one thing I can tell you that I'd like you to echo Asheville is a special place. UNC Asheville is also a special place. Can you do a little Cliff North's version on what makes this uh, university and this town so great? Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, we can just look around and just the, the scenery and the, the beauty behind it, the mountains, everything. You, you look out on our field and you get to see just the mountains behind it. I mean, that first and foremost is different than every every other campus outside of Appalachian State in this entire you know, kind of for division ones, at least in the, in the state. So we get that, but then as well, it's, it's pretty cool because it's, it is a public school and it's a part of the UNC branch, as you mentioned, but it's also almost like a private school in some aspects because they keep the numbers smaller. We're just under 4,000, about 3,500 and a little bit we're landlocked some, um, but at the same time, it be, the academics right now are ranked in the top 10 for public liberal art universities. And so they want to keep those standards really, really high. And even though we have the ability to probably get to six or 8,000 with enrollment, they've decided to keep it lower, keep the, the numbers where they are, continue to make the academic standards high. And while the academic standards have been high, the athletic 
department and the athletic side of thing have also challenged us to raise and continue to challenge that side of it to where we can be not just, you know, contenders within our conference, but contenders within our region. And so it's a special place because you have really the true, for at least a coach, you have the true side of, you have student athletes here where they're actually caring about going into their classes and doing well, making sure that they're successful there, but then tying that into, they want to be successful in their sport and they want to be a good human. And that's one thing that we always talk about with our program, where we really start with everything is your character behind it. You have to be a good human. You have to be able to be a good person behind all of that. Yes, you need to obviously be able to play, pass a ball. Yes, you need to be a good student, but you can't just have those two boxes and not be a good human behind it. And I think that's a, a big thing with Asheville and UNC Asheville in general is just a good community that supports one another through all of it. Fascinating interview with Mick Giordano, who is the head coach at UNC Asheville, which turned out to be his alma mater, his final stop, and he's made it home. And now he's a young head coach doing great things. Your answers, I got to tell you, are, are some of the best answers I've had on this podcast. And we've been running this thing for almost five years now, Mick. I mean that sincerely, and you definitely understand the mentor thing. Ironically, we had Bobby Muse on last week to kick off college soccer, and he's plug and play. He's brilliant as well. So I can tell in many ways the way you speak, you also open it up the way he does. And Ralph Polson is a legend, not just at Walford, but to United Soccer Coaches, past president, a guy that, uh, probably will go into their Hall of Fame just because of all he's done outside of just being on the sideline for for Wofford. But to kind of wrap it up, I really want to go back to your father and to the UNC Asheville coach that paved the way for you that when he stepped aside, you know, you now had this job. What do you think they're thinking right now of where you are, Mick, when you think about your father and the coach that you replaced at UNC Asheville? Those two specifically, they must be just overwhelmingly proud. I'm very fortunate they do tell me they're proud, and, and ultimately I just hope they are. As I said earlier, I wouldn't be here without either one of them, and I think every day it's always a reminder. I've got two kind of quotes and, and little quote boards in, in my office now, which was my mentor's office. One of the quotes he gave me, one of the quotes my dad gave me, and so it's, a, it's one of those things every single day I get to see those two things, and just remember, okay, even on a bad day, it could be much worse. You're still very fortunate to where you get to be a college coach, get to be the youngest college coach still, which blows my mind. I, I still can't even really wrap my head around it when people talk to me about that and, and everything. And, you know, it's just mind boggling that I'm even here. Um, and, but you and, gotta share these quotes, my man. So I need your dad's first and then okay. I your former coach. So, my dad's is uh, often the last step is the winning step. So that's from my dad. And then Coach Mentals is what if I fall? And it says, yes, but what if you fly? Them two, like I said, it's just right there in the office every day for myself, for the boys, whenever they come in, whoever to, to kind of see. And it, like I said, it is, it's, a, it's been a whirlwind to say the least. I think obviously uh, COVID probably has a little bit to do with that. Um, that it's been a whirlwind, but at the same time, it's been so much excitement. And ultimately, I, I just hope that we can just continue to do a good job and produce players that are not just good players, but good students and good humans and, and make everyone proud. And, you know, Coach Metal, 
as you said, started this whole thing, started the transformation, this program. My dad really started this love of the game. And then my opportunity to coach, I mean, not many people really think like, oh, well, you know, he just started coaching just out of college. Everything is like, no, like I was very fortunate. Like I said, he, he started me early. And I don't think if I didn't have, I actually, I know if I didn't have those two do the things that they've done for me, whether it's open certain doors, advice, everything, I, I guarantee I would not be here um, today. So I definitely just always try to remember I'm here because of them. How do we make them along with everyone else proud? And ultimately just, just be as good as you can be. We talked about the boys, be the best version of yourself, be as good as you can be. Who knows what happens after that? Two more quick questions with Mick Giordano, who will take on NC State in Raleigh Monday, 7 o'clock, ACC Network Extra. I'll have the call. Looking forward to that matchup between the Wolfpack and the Bulldogs. In quick form, if you do these two things, you will fly, you won't fall, and you'll beat NC State. What does it take to sort of shock the ACC world and beat the Wolfpack on Monday? We need, to be, we need to be extremely organized and extremely diligent with how we play, not just defensively, but attacking-wise. We need to be organized with that, and we just need to have spirit behind us. We need to have spirit, hard work, energy. We do those things. We have the organization behind it with attacking and defending. And we have a good spirit, good mentality. We can uh, maybe – who knows? We might not shock them. Hopefully, we don't shock them because hopefully people are understanding we're trying to, we're trying to be there. But at the same time, hopefully we can go and show them and show everyone. It's UNC Asheville. We're not just a doormat. We're here to try and play. We're going to try and do things the proper way. But at the same time, you're going to be in for a battle and for a fight. I like that answer. You talked a lot about your coaching education. You talked about the fact that your dad opened up coaching doors when you were really, really young, which really got that heartbeat going toward being a coach. Obviously, this is the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Have you used United Soccer Coaches for any of your education at all in your development? Yes, sir. Yeah. And actually, through through COVID, um, there was all of the online things that United Soccer Coaches were doing and putting out there. Uh, I had a challenge for myself um, to do one every single week, probably drove my, at that time, my fiance probably drove her absolutely insane because I would go around saying, Oh, I've got to go do that. I've got to do my education. I've got to do my education. Um, but through COVID, I, I was very fortunate that what you all had everything online and, and the way that you had just different things, even, even the basic things that maybe weren't meant for college or, or the, the older ages still went through all of it because you can take small things from it, from every single little bit of knowledge that you have going through it. So I was fortunate. I, I went through all of the online stuff. It was kind of, like I said, a weekly challenge and was able to continue to do that. And now it's just hoping I can continue with some of the United soccer coaches, the, the national opponents, some of those things that are now starting to come back online. I will, there's a goal of mine to try and get my UEFA B here in the next year as well. So I can be able to have education here, maybe take some things from overseas and what they've done and have this overall blend of what it can be. Um, but as you know, sometimes too, coaching, it's about man management and just caring about your players. So take the tactical side, man management side, the caring side, merge everything that we've learned here in the U.S., merge things maybe from overseas and see what happens from there.
I really enjoyed this deep dive with Mick Giordano. I look forward to catching up with you later this weekend to talk about your team on Monday as we prepare for that big matchup against NC State. And I really appreciate the contextual nature of your answers where you not only broke down your story, but you had anecdotal reasons for every step, which is phenomenal because you're helping all of us learn, particularly young coaches. I started this show saying that you're an inspiration for young coaches. I'm going to end it by saying you're an inspiration for young coaches. I can't wait to see you live and in person on Monday, and I wish you nothing but the best of success, Coach. Yes, sir. Dean, thank, just thank you so much again for even this opportunity to be here. There's there's a lot of other people you probably could have talked to that have a little bit better story and much better uh, much better record so far of what they're doing. So I just want to say thank you for taking the opportunity to talk to myself about me, our program, and really looking forward to seeing you on Monday. I can't wait, Mick. I want to thank you, the good folks at Veal and Janet Rayfield, our great guests. I also want to thank Sean Chevreau, Bailey Conklin, Jonas Worth, Jeff Van Dusen, all the great people at United Soccer Coaches and our producer, Colin Thrash. For each and every one of them and all of you, I'm Dean Linke saying we'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by TeamSnap. Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by TeamSnap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com.